You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. When I was still a virgin, I was messing around with him in his fraternity house. And this guy, Bob, this is, he, he I just went, I went all the way and then I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to, we, we can't have sex. And he was getting so angry. I'm like, listen, I'm a virgin. And he said to me, you know what? It's a good thing you told me that. Otherwise, I probably would have like raped Jeez. you. He said oh that to me. Oh my God. Wow. What he would have raped me fuck? if I hadn't told him I was a virgin. I think I've heard my mom talk about her sex life to me like three times. As far as I know, they've had sex four times and it resulted in four children. My parents are openly talking about it all the time. It's disgusting. Welcome to Sex Talk with my mom. Wait, why are you doing that again? I'm doing it. Welcome to Sex no, Talk with my mom. why are you making the weird sounds and... I wanted... You just said you it went, was too repetitive, so yeah, we have to do... Spice it up. This is me spicing it up. Do you remember when you went into the, like, a really low, slow, dark voice? Yes. Okay, are you doing that shit again? No, I'm doing the announcer voice. Can we just get past okay, the, okay. the name of the show? Okay, go ahead. It's Welcome to Sex Talk with my mom. Yeah? I said it. And you... Oh, just introduce yourself, mother. I'm Karen Lee Poder. I'm Cam Poder. And we are Sex Talk with my mom. Jesus Christ. <laughs> My mother is a self-proclaimed sex expert, cougar, and the world's oldest living millennial. My son, as you know, is a stand-up comic, a mime, and a Buddhist clown. Together, we chat about sex twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. For a lot of reasons. Why is it, mother? Mostly to give you guys a little chuckle. A chuckle! No, and also to just break down those barriers of what people talk about. Also to enhance your pleasure and also decrease the shame around sex. That's right, and today is no exception. Today we have Christine Blackburn on the show. She is the host of Storyworthy, a podcast where my mother went on and told a story all about her. Second time losing my virginity. Yep. She also hosts Story Smash, which is a monthly show at the Improv in Hollywood. Christine Blackburn has been a TV commercial actress, a flight attendant, a Peace Corps volunteer, and a published author. She's a cancer survivor. This girl's done it all. She's got stories, people. This and we, we get into them. I mean, it's her life is unbelievable. And it's rare that we get someone over the age of 30 on our show. And she is over the age of 30, so she's got life experience to pull from. It's so, it's like so comforting to me to, to hear her bring up Peter Frampton. My mother wanted so badly to be friends with her. I am friends with her now. She's friends with her now. I just went out with her actually after the recording and we had a, a such a fun time. Yeah, as I'm working, what are you doing? Going to MedMed. AKA the weed shop. It's buying weed. weed. It, I did it for my dad. Okay. Okay. That's fair. The point is that um, she and I, it's, it's just, it's so comforting because I, I feel like being with someone my generation it, it's just, it's so nice to have someone who can relate to the songs and the and the the, the type of feeling it was being in uh, you know growing up when we did. You're just trying to go back to those days. It's 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 so weird when you you say things like I can say you asked me who Donovan was for example. Yeah. And I think I know Jennifer Juniper. Yeah, so nah, probably nah, like nah, that. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I think I was in grammar school when I heard that song. Well, I'm getting into him now. Yeah, you, you are from my generation, or probably earlier. You're like my dad's generation. What the fuck? Yeah, you like that old-time music. Mom, he's from the 60s, no. Donovan. Donovan is from the 60s. Yeah, that was even before me. Okay. Okay. Right. Can, can, so, can we get back on track? Okay, so the thing that was so great about being with my Christine Blackburn all, all day long is that she's in the business. She's in the biz. She does story-worthy. She's she, a comedian. She, she's just doing a stand-up later. She just does some... She does one-woman shows. Yeah, she's got balls. She does have balls. And she performs at, the, at my theater. Well, right. I, rather, I probably perform at her theater because she's been doing it a long time. The Lyric Hyperion in L.A. Anyway, <laughs> so... <laughs> a bunch of clowns go over there. Check it out. See Cam there. All right. Anyway, the thing that was really cool at Mad Men is that when I was checking out... Some guy walks up to me, says he's the manager, and he recognizes me from my YouTube oh, channel. Oh, I'm sure you got a freaking ego boner on that one. I did. It was like, oh, you're Karen Lee? I go, I, yeah. Do you, how do you, you know? You're a fan? You're a fan? And he's like, yeah, I know you from your YouTube channel. Oh, and I God, go, this is oh, all you need. were you searching for cougars by any chance? And he goes, yes. Oh, my <laughs> fuck. Did you ask him if he can give you a discount? You know what? That's next time. Oh, my God. Shout I, out. Knew I, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. 
All right. Anyway, I, I wanted to, to just hey, so our so listeners. What I wanted to tell you what happened after that. So okay. I got so up in my head and hyper about that. Plus, I had a, a cup and a half of coffee before this whole thing happened. That when I got to, we went to get some chicken shawarma. I got there. I'm ordering for you since I'm a nice mom. Yeah. And I asked him about, is it white meat or dark meat in the chicken shawarma? And he says it's a mix. So I ordered number number seven. I look up, I see, I don't know, different types of shawarma sandwiches. I said, order number seven. I'm halfway through the eating it, and I'm like, this doesn't taste great. It doesn't, and I keep looking. I'm like, it looks like it gave me all dark meat. Uh-huh. And I only like white meat, but I was willing oh, to do God. it for the shawarma. I realize I'm eating beef. Me. <laughs> I haven't eaten meat in 30, 40 years. Oh, my God. I was not happy about that. There are a lot of innuendos going on here that people are probably thinking about. I haven't eaten cooked meat yes. in that many years. It, what would it taste like to you? I didn't like it. So what? When did I you... kept eating it anyway. I was going to go, look, don't we need some spice on this or something? It just, it was tasted like dark meat chicken. Oh, wow. Everything, everything tastes like chicken. <laughs> it tastes like dark meat chicken. And I was not happy. So I went up to the counter. I'm like, what the hell? And he goes, well, you asked for two number sevens. I'm like, well, I didn't realize number seven was meat. <laughs> when I asked for the mixture of dark and white, I didn't want you to just tell me meat in general. I don't, oh, anyway, that was my big to do. Did you smoke at the weed shop? No, that's the irony. I wish I had that to blame. No, wow. it was just me being... This is you being you. Me being reverse starstruck. Speaking of patterns that we set for ourselves. Yes. This episode, we get into patterns. Yes. Relationship patterns, sexual yeah. pa- patterns. Yep. And, you know, Christine tells us a few stories that have similar tone. That have... or Not tone. They have similar, uh, you know events that occur i think what what you're trying to say is that stuff that has happened in her childhood her fear her father abandoned her and her five siblings okay, what are you giving away, you giving well, I'm away saying the whole fucking some, thing things like that history affect, repeats itself yeah and, and her choices were based on those um feelings and trying to fix those feelings so i think that's what's what you're going to find fascinating here do you find it? Do you fall into any relationship patterns? Like you, you search for a specific guy to. You I know? think my patterns are all over the board. No, I don't think so. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not kidding you. I'm attracted to someone who likes to take risks. I, that That's I, right. That I agree with. That's but, right. But it, like, as far as being an introvert, like your you father are. was an introvert, your D's is an extrovert. You also are attracted to guys that adore you, as you've noted. I do like to be adored. So there's a little pattern going on. There's here. a pattern, and it comes from my dad, who adores me. Oh, who I bought stuff for at MedMed. Maybe so, this is why he adores you. Buy him weed. But she was abandoned by her father, but then reconciled and became close with him again. So you're going to hear about this, and it's it's just a it's just a good story. She tells a story that you're like sitting at the your seat your your edge of your chair, like going, God, I want to hear right. more. You're going to make them want to. One thing that we talked about in this episode was rape. We don't talk about it often on the show, at least not often enough, because it seems to be still a big problem in our society still it's like one in three i think and so we get into it in this episode we're not we we were not afraid of covering it especially with christine there she opens up she opens up and she also brings a little levity to the situation it, it is it, it's a very uh upsetting story but we but end up talking about light. We, we can bring it up to lightness we'd bring we talk about uh prevention dealing with the trauma afterwards and then picking partners they keep replicating this stuff. Yes. So, anyway, this is a good, this is a psychological thriller, if you will. Yes. Emotional trauma, physical trauma. And what we'd like to ask you guys, if you remember later on, to go ahead and yes, text mamas on this question. They don't know what that means, Mom. All right. Will you explain what it means? Yes, text mom is our phone number. You can leave us a text or leave us a voicemail. With regard to this question. And, Mother, we, and we read the responses and questions. On, on the Monday morning after show. Yes, on Mondays. Yeah. So if you guys want to know what MAS means, it's morning after show. Anyway, this question came out of our discussion with uh, Christine Blackburn. And the question is, have you ever been cheated on? And how did you find out? Oh, I would love to hear. By the way, if you want to hear that story, make sure to go to patreon.com slash sex talk with my mom because we end up spending another 20 minutes with Christine after this interview where we're all lubed up and ready ready to talk. 
And when people hear lubed up. No one thinks that, that we're all actually lubed up. Oh, well, lubrication in, in terms of um, being ready we're to open. go. We're open. We're all ready to go in verbally. In terms of conversation, yes. We, yes. we were, got to a place where we were open. And uh, she shares with us how she came back together with her father later in life where the forgiveness comes from. Well, and she talked about being cheated on by one of her husband, her first husband. So you got to check this out. Patreon.com slash sex talk with my mom. It's really a good story. She tells an amazing story. I and want, she teaches people how to tell stories. Of course. That's this a big is, part of the episode. That's what this I episode. really liked. Yes. You know, everybody at some point or another has to tell a story. If you're on a date or if you're at Even work. Even if you're married, you got to tell some stories. Exactly. And she she literally goes through, and this is like the best lesson you can get on how you can tell a story. She goes through step by step how to tell a story. I love that. That kind of came out of nowhere, in my opinion. But I It came it, out of nowhere because I flat out asked her to give to give us a, well, a demonstration. Well, of course, you asked. So anyway, I thought it, this is a phenomenal lesson. I was very grateful that she gave it to I us. I was very grateful. I, you know what else I'm grateful for? You. Yeah, I'm grateful for myself. Yes. No, I'm gr- I'm grateful. You want me to say you? Yes. You. I'm very well, grateful for you. Well, it's almost Mother's Day. I thought you were going to say I'm grateful for you. Mom, it already, the, by the time this airs, it's going to be Mother's Day. Oh, good point. Good point. Okay. All right. I want, I'm grateful for our, our wonderful, pa- not a Patreon community, but also the people who have left us iTunes reviews. Oh, I'm grateful for that as well, because those reviews are like gold to us. Well, guess what? I want to read one from a very special someone. Okay. This one says, Awesome Show, Five Stars, by Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackman? Hugh Jackson. Oh, I wish it was Hugh Jackman. There is a great chemistry with the mother and son team. Keep the laughs and information coming. And as always, put pop rocks wherever you need to yours too. Yours truly, Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean Mr. wrote a Bean review. Coming oh. in hot in these iTunes reviews. Oh, my God. And for those of you who don't know who he is, he, he is one of our whack Packers, the president of our whack Pack, the Bean team, and he will make he you laugh. He puts pop rocks in his, in his rectum. Yeah, he will make you laugh, and he'll, frequently you'll hear him singing on our Morning After Show as well. So check out uh, Morning After Show and write out your own little review, <laughs> and we will read your reviews on all our shows. And as always, if you want to help our show, please share this with a friend. That's the only way we can grow our community. And, and subscribe so you don't miss out on these shows. It really helps us out. All right. On that note, I think we got to launch into this one. And let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers on the tree and the trees and being Just, cheated on by okay. these Okay. Peas. Okay. So that was the worst one. I honestly other. think in the four years we've done this, that was by far the worst one it was. you've ever done. It was. You, there was no rhyme. <laughs> you lost the melody. You completely. <laughs> there was Botched. not the right amount of syllables. I know, and I didn't even have anything to say. I was talking. I was trying to figure out cheating, and, and somehow well, you, how you cheating... mentioned D's in there as no, if I cheating. Men- I didn't yeah. mention D's. Yeah, you did. No, I said. All right, cheating let's just get into the episode. Okay, the peas. let's get into the e- episode. Okay, stay tuned. And we'd like to take a quick second to thank our sponsor, Open Fit. It's easy to recommend OpenFit because I use it on a daily basis. OpenFit is a simple streaming service that allows you to access fitness videos wherever you are. And then you can have them streamed onto your TV, which is what I do. Or you I, can put it on your laptop, your pet, your iPad, or phone. Your iPhone or any phone. But I love it because I get to see David. My mother is obsessed with one of their yoga instructors. Yeah, he's he comes on, he's got no shirt. I you know, I realized I did yoga next to you watching OpenFit yesterday. The whole time, your eyes are glued to the screen. I was. This is a wonderful program. You actually get tremendous trainers, and they have everything you need from like yoga classes to extend bar classes. You know what I love, though? You don't have to be a member of a gym. You can do it right in your living room. Listen to that. I am a member of a gym. It was more convenient just to use OpenFit. I didn't even go to the gym. Exactly, and I do the same thing. If you're too lazy to go to your gym... You could do it in the privacy of your home. Look at that. Openfit.com. It's awesome. Trust me. I love this program. Okay. I need to tell them how to do this. All you got to do is text sex talk to 303030. You will get a special extended 30 day free trial membership to OpenFit. That's sex talk, which is one word, to 303030. You guys got to try this. 
Christine, welcome to the show. Hi, Cam. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have you here. Hi, and, Karen. And welcome, welcome, welcome. We're I'm super excited, mainly because you're still younger than me, but you're as close to my age as, <laughs> as we've gotten in months. So I'm very happy to have you on the show. You've got years of wise experience, and everyone's going to enjoy this so much. I hope so. <laughs> I know so. So will you tell us about like where you are at right now in terms of your relationships, uh, oh, wow. Okay, wow. We get right into it. This Cam, is exciting. Cam doesn't beat around the bush. So no, that's okay. Um, you know, I've been in Los Angeles for 21 years, and um, I'm dating somebody. I am dating somebody now, which is funny, because I uh, I don't talk much about my private life, you know, um, b- b- because it's been tumultuous, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but I am dating somebody. I like them. Yeah, it's, like always, it's always like good him. to like the person you're dating. I yeah. always say that's the number one thing. So your current one woman show is called Dear Alabama. Yeah, Dear Alabama is my new show I've been writing and now I'm honing it and hopefully it'll be ready to go up at the end of the summer. Basically, it's 15 relationships that I've had in my life and like a chapter, some are longer than others, about uh, why each one didn't work out. And I'm not saying it's always on the man. Uh, some of them were my fault, but uh, it's usually on the man. <laughs> of course. I'm kidding. No, like things to avoid and why I was attracted. Like what was I doing there in the first place? It goes from like the relationship with my father uh, to someone, uh, my virginity was taken. I was raped in high school. Oh my gosh. And then my first husband who got another girl pregnant while we were married. <laughs> Oh of, my those God. sound like such positive male role role models. <laughs> right, I was that, just constantly getting in the wrong place. Um, why do you think that is? Because my dad left when I was 15. Why did he leave? Because he was in love with his tennis partner. No, no way. way. Oh my God. We're As full, you full just mentioned. That, tennis. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> That's hilarious. So were you close to your dad growing up? Too? I wasn't close to my dad growing up. Not at all. Was but, he older? But then we, no, um, no. But then we reconnected um, when I was about 26. We reconnected. And then the final like 22 years of his life, we were very close. Whoa. And I was He's with dead. him. I, w- I was oh. with him when he passed. Yeah, I was right with him. And uh, so we really had a great relationship as adults. But he also didn't like children. You know what I mean? And yeah. he would say it. I don't like kids. He liked adults. So it's not don't unusual that I like I don't love kids. I do you love hate kids. children, and you know you do. <laughs> I love kids. I live, I live, I live my <laughs> life for kids. But I'm kind of like right now in a phase. I'm a little bit over it Mom, right now. So can we you go ima- into a restaurant? I don't like kids throwing food all over the floor. She, we literally have to go screaming. To, if she sees kids, she just will yeah. change tables until there are no kids. I around. prefer not to sit next to like, especially like a one to two year old. What happens on the plane? Like if you're oh flying? Oh my god! She complains the whole time. <laughs> they kick about your the kids. seat. Yeah. Oh my god! Don't even start with. I had okay, this religious so ki- guy with like six kids running all over the plane. I was ready to kill him. If you can imagine, my dad when he was he turned thirty three. He had, they had me and he, that was his sixth child. What is with the six kids? Are you Catholic? So my, yeah, it was Catholic. Ah, So my mom was 30 when she had me. So my mom was 30 years old with six kids, 10 and under. Oh my God. And my dad was 33. So you think my dad wanted six kids (laughs) at the age of 33? Cam, you want six kids? No, no thank you. So this could have something to do with your ability not to want kids until you were 40. Oh, I knew it. Yeah, (laughs) I knew it so hard. I knew it. Yeah. You gotta wait. Were you basically well, raised by your siblings? No, I was raised by myself. Yeah, you were. Whoa. Oh, yeah, that's kind of how. Because uh, they all left. Everybody yeah. left. You know what I mean? Everybody went off to college one at a time, and then my dad left, and then it was just me and my mom. So oh. we went from eight to two, oh. and it, you know she was devastated. You know, so this was bad. It was really sad. I remember um, in high school, uh, it was only my mom and my dad and I left. You know, in the house, and uh, we're having uh, dinner. Ironically, comfort food. It was uh, tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches. And all of a sudden, my mother uh, whips out the phone bill from underneath her plate. And she starts waving around in the air. And she says, Jack, who do you know in the 935? Who are you calling? We don't know anybody in the 935. We're 443. And I looked at my dad and I realized, like, just... I saw oh, it in his eye. Wow. I got he shivers. had a girlfriend wow. in the 935. Oh, you're sitting right there. And he denied it for a second. And then he got up and he walked to his closet and he took out a coat and then he took the keys and he left the house. Jesus. 
And then like that night we can, we had finished dinner. My mom washed the dishes. I went to bed. Nobody said anything. And then the next day I come home from school and I walk in the front door and I see my dad's closet at the end of the hallway and it's kind of open. And I walk back and I open the door and the closet is empty. Mm. There's nothing in the closet. And how old were you? I was 15. Mm. And at that point... My dad moved in with his tennis partner, and I didn't see him for nine years. Oh, Jeez. my God. Yeah. And did you have any communication with him? None. Whoa. So but that's this, when this the feeling of abandonment. Yeah. You know, they say, because well, I learned this totally. in social work school, that teenage years to go through a divorce is the hardest years mm-hmm. anyway, and yeah. let alone an abandonment like yeah. that. And it was the, terrible. Just, I don't and know how my dad, you... My, excuse me, my mom came to my room and she said, Honey, your dad left. He doesn't love us anymore. Oh, he just no. doesn't love us. Oh. Yeah. So everybody fucked up. Everyone <laughs> no, fucked seriously, up. No, seriously, the worst thing you could say to a kid, don't I know. do that, is and it's, it's your fault too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then two months later, not even two months later, maybe like... Oh, no, it was actually right before that I had been raped at a party. Oh, my God. And so I had been raped at a party and like four weeks later, my dad left. And it was just like... Whew, I just went reeling. Can you talk oh about the rape? Is it yeah, really no, it's it happened. I wrote an article in the um I wrote an article in Huffington Post called Let's Talk About Rape because I yeah. think people should talk about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um and I was cool. a kid, you know, I was fifteen and I was at a party and some kid that I had never even had a conversation with. In fact he went to a different school, uh, but he ended up at the party. The parents were out of town and I just had seen him at like our swim club. And he was really good looking and he was on the football team. And bef- when we first went to the party, when I first went to the party, I was just with my friends, you know, and they had covered the washer and dryer with like a blanket and there was Doritos and warm Stroh's beer and M&M's. And my friends and I were goofing around and they had like this weight room with mirrors and they're playing Peter Frampton. <laughs> and then these football players come. You know what I mean? The football players come and then, you know, I just like, my eyes just went right to that guy, you know? Right. I just like, I just, you know, like I completely abandoned my friends and my eyes went to that guy and he comes over to me and he says, do you want to talk? And of course I'm like completely flattered. Now, of course. How old were you? I was 15. You have to understand. I didn't know what um, intercourse was. I didn't know. You didn't have that talk with your My parents. mother never gave me that talk. She didn't tell me what my period was. She didn't tell me. Nobody told me anything. Mm. So I think they, they thought that I would trickle down with the children or something. <laughs> Someone's like going to tell them something. Nobody told me anything. So anyway, he says, let's go upstairs. And then we go up to the first flight. And then we go up to the second flight of stairs. And he leads me into this bedroom. And it was um, this girl's little brother's room, Joey Giuliano. And he was like six or seven. And of course, he's not there. And he... And we start making out on this kid's bed, and it was like a car. You could, it was the bedspread was a, a car, car bed. and the tires you had were a car bed, by the way. <laughs> oh my god, hopefully, so they don't sad. have these stories. I know, right? And then we're making this, like, out, sounds like Kevin. I know, never talked to me, never said, and he never really talked. And then he's like pushing my pants down. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't get it. And I oh. said, I don't want to do this. And he was a lot bigger than me, you know, because I was. A football player for crying out loud. Yeah, he was bigger. He's 17. I was 15. Oh. And I was like, I don't know what, I didn't know what he was doing. And um, pushed, you know, kept pushing and pushing. And his, but nobody's pants were off. They were just down. And then he's pushing and pushing. And he kept his mouth really on mine. And I couldn't, like, I remember shaking my head a little bit. But it all happened so you were like fast. Stunned. It happened so fast. And then he like finishes and just like jumps off me. Oh. And yeah. it wasn't like any kissing after that. Like it wasn't like, how was that or something? You know, he just jumped off me. And that was uh, alarming to me. Like I think that was what happened. Because it hurt, but I didn't, I just wasn't even sure. And I remember he pulled on his pants and he goes booking down the steps and I am following him. I'm pulled on my shorts, pulled up my shorts and I'm following him and he goes down the steps and he goes out the front door and he crosses through the lawn and I'm watching, I'm on the front step, I'm watching him go across the lawn and he gets in his car, which was a red um, convertible, but a really large car, like a Buick or a Chrysler. And the top was down because it was summertime and, um, and he drove away. Oh and then, God. what an 
I know, but here's the thing, because I was a child. Doesn't it sound like this Kavanaugh hearing? But I was a child. It was so much like that in a way. In a way. It almost sounds identical. In a way that I go back into the house and I go into the living room of the house, one of the rooms that nobody ever goes in, like one of these living rooms nobody goes in. And I sat there in a chair Mm -hmm. and I could hear my friends downstairs and the party's still going on. And I could hear Peter Frampton, do you feel like I do? Mm -hmm. And everybody sounded exactly the same as they had sounded 15 minutes prior. But I'm sitting there by myself. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking Paul Eckstein is my boyfriend. That's his name? That was his name. And it is his name. He's a dentist in Florida. Oh, my God. And I know I see him on but Facebook. You, you never I mean, called him out on this. Okay, well, I'll, it, 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 fast fast forward. I did, in fact, but it was many years later. Anyway, but at that point, like I thought as a child, I thought this is so exciting because now I'm going to be his girlfriend, and he'll mm. come to our prom, and I'll go to his prom. Yeah, I remember feeling that age. And at that he's going to call this me. Yeah, thing. and we're going to go to this, and he's going to meet my family. Yeah, right. Okay. I think his birthday's in August or whatever. Like your mind's going. Yeah. And then, of course, I never heard from him again. Of course. But I don't know this. And so that's why you never, I don't tell anybody. Yeah, that's why you I don't probably, tell anybody. And I go upstairs in the bathroom anybody? and I'm bleeding. It was terrible. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Why didn't you tell anyone, even a best friend or anything? Because I, I, yeah, I know, right? I know. I remember that night the girl that had the party, she said, did you and Paul Exxon have sex? Did you have sex? Or something like that. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I, why? No, why would you think that? And I... I I mean, I was sure because I was bleeding, but I was then so ashamed. Yeah. Like ashamed that that happened. How did I let that happen? And it is true to an extent, like, I'll tell my daughter, you can't be alone with a guy. You can't be alone with him. You don't want this to happen. Don't be alone with a guy when you're 13, 14, 15, 16. I mean, there's age appropriate times and there's age when it's not appropriate. So if somebody says you want to go upstairs and talk... No, you need to talk to me right here. Like I had no strength. I had no power. I had no voice. But I have done that at age 48. You just went off? The guy, sure. People, we should be able to go off with any person and say no. When we, and, no I don't, I don't, I, I hear what you're saying. You should be able to, but a better idea is, don't is get to be, to, yeah, put yourself on the defense to begin with and sure. don't go in there with him. Yeah. I'm talking especially as a child. Yeah. I'm not talking about adult dating. I'm talking about no, as a child. It's, it's the same with adults. We can easily. Yeah, I, I know. I but now I have a, more of a wherewithal. Yeah, but mom, she didn't even know what sex was that at this poor, point. I, right. That well, poor There's a big child. difference here. She doesn't even know what to prevent against because yeah. she didn't even know right. what it was. And, and yeah. now I would call a lift. I'm out of here. Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's <laughs> so many different. I mean. Yeah, I was a child. I was a child. That's the main thing. And he knew it, you know. And so, but if you want to fast forward real quick, six years later, when I was 21, I was going to a school in Pittsburgh called Duquesne University. Duquesne University, I was a senior. And he was in that guy. Uh, I knew because his father had been a dentist or was a dentist, is a dentist. I don't know. And he was going in his father's footsteps and going to the University of Pittsburgh to the dental school. And I'm in a bar with my friend and it's packed. A bar in Oakland, in Pittsburgh. It's called Calico's. In fact, I used to waitress there at one point. Anyway, and I'm there with my friend Gidget. Yes, her name was Gidget. <laughs> God. And I see him across the bar and I'm like, holy shit, that's the guy who raped me, I oh say my to my God. friend. And so we go down the, the, to the bathroom together and we plot it out like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, and I'm 21 and I say, you, you just stay with me, Gidget. You stay with me. So we go back upstairs into the bar and I go right up to him and I said, hey, you remember me? And he looks at me and he goes, oh yeah, man, you went to Richland High School. Oh yeah, how are you? And I reached back and I, punched him right in the face like with my fist which i never done in my life and then the whole bar was like whoa and everything spread out like and this guy he goes you know kind of reeling back and then people were like hey 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 get her and we like ran Uh me and my friend gidget i'm like come on and we ran out of the bar and ran down forbes avenue and um i I felt a little bit better i'm (laughs) very proud of you i did a little bit (laughs) But I, I, I want to know something. When was the moment that you realized that you were raped? No, I knew it when I, it, the pain. I knew when he 
But you said you got into my, my about I, all these different things. When did you realize that what he did? I knew it. I knew it right after he did it. I knew because of the pain. I knew that 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 was sex. And when he jumped off me so quickly, I remember thinking that's rape. So the pain was the sex that I hadn't known was coming. And after that, the fact that he jumped and ran away, then my alarm went off. He did something wrong. Oh, so then, wow. why? Did I mean, you, it was all wrong. But, but but you had this other fantasy of this. Yeah, I thought well, that's just the way it is. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. So now when I'm his did, girlfriend. When did you realize, like a couple years later, that what he did was so wrong, and you you should have, if you had known, reported it? Okay. When Bill Cosby mm. started, uh, when his um, when all his stuff started. So this was about five years ago, not that long ago. I wrote an article in the um, Huffington Post called Let's Talk About Rape. It's the first time I had talked about it. And I really, I don't even know if I would have come forward then, but the bravery of the women that did come forward against Cosby, I remember that made me so sick to my stomach. And part of it was probably my own pain, but just the fact that somebody could take advantage of somebody like that, you know, so purposefully slip something in their drink. I mean, it's like so first degree, you know, rape. But this, this anyway, thing and so must then have I started thinking you earlier. This it must have affected you even earlier than that. Like, no, it affected me. I'm just saying I didn't talk about it. I didn't bring it up for 30 years. Wow. More even than 30 with your, years. your your husbands and I remember mothers. I would tell people, but it would always be like in a very LD on the LD, you know, like. Uh, but I never like really talked about it. Has your relation to to it changed since talking about it? Yeah, because now I have a daughter. You know, and now it's like the the sex talk is ongoing and it doesn't stop. And mm. so we keep talking about nobody touches you. You know what I mean? We, we mm-hmm. talk about things that are appropriate, things that are not appropriate. Right. And so it's just, you know, I can use my words. My mother didn't have those tools, I don't yeah. think, you know. But are you also giving her the upside of it? Like, no, she just sees this. <laughs> she's like, I have never had sex ever. Well, she sees me dating stuff, you know, which is good because I've been divorced for like over seven years and she's seen me date um, four different people. And when th- something ends, she sees I'm sad and I'll say, see, Alabama, this is sadness and I'm really sad right now and this is grief, but it'll, I'll get better and I'll come out of it. So sometimes you're happy and sometimes you're not, you know, and, and the only thing we really know for sure is whatever you're going through is going to change because mm. everything changes. Sure. And change usually is good. Usually. Well, how, what about this process of, of processing what, uh, I don't know. That do rape. Did, oh, that, a, that's kind of what I was asking about. Exactly. Like, was there any formal process or was it just time that ended up changing your perspective? Or did you it? go to therapy? Well, I wasn't, I've been in therapy on and off for years. Um, but that, yeah, that was a, I don't know, that was obviously a really bad moment in my life. But then when my father left just recently, just, just after that, mm-hmm. you know, it was just kind of a double whammy and yeah, that sure. really knocked me down. There's like two abandonments. Yeah, right exactly. Oh, so then you just go here. for approval, right? So then you just get a lot um, of boyfriends. Oh, interesting. So when you married your two husbands, did you know? At the- <laughs> I didn't at the first time. It was, I didn't at one time. It wasn't like a polygamous thing. It was no, one. No. Each time. time. Did you know when you were like standing at the altar that this was the wrong thing? Or I knew the first one I knew. I knew at my, um, my um, wedding shower when I was 25. I knew it was wrong. I knew it at my wedding shower. Isn't that funny? But sometimes when you're engaged, it's easier just to go through the marriage and get divorced than it is to break up. Yeah. This is what we hear all the time. I hear this all. I always ask the same question and they always say what you did. Because if you break up, then you didn't go the whole length. You know what I mean? You never really know how it would have worked out because you didn't take it as uh, far as marriage. But if you get married and then divorce, it's more definitive, I think. Oh, and also, you know, people are weak, man. I mean, I know I've been weak. You know, you think you can't return the presents. You already bought a dress. The (laughs) caterer's already been scheduled. Yeah. You put down a $1,500 deposit. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You failed. You know, people think so, and I try to tell my daughter this, people think, you think like everything is all about you and that what happens to you and what you go through, like people actually care where it really, it turns out nobody gives a shit. Except you. Because they're just thinking about themselves. Right. Mm. Everybody's really in this That's on their own. That's a very good message to give 
everyone, especially like even kids when they're going through rejection from friendship groups in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Like it does seem like the weight on your world, but trust me. Yeah. Nobody cares. And everybody's going through those same, same things. Same thing. Yeah. And so you can disperse the anxiety about it, I think. Do you see it as a mistake you made or are you happy about that experience? Wait, which one? The, I guess the first marriage. No, I'm told it was a complete mistake. Oh, really? Yeah, it was you wish really it would never upsetting. Oh, God, yeah, I wish I'd never married him. Oh, wow. He was a terrible person. And he's now a Trump supporter. So there you go. I mean, you know. <laughs> Say no more. No, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he, you know, I was a kid. I was 19 when I met him and he was 32. So you were oh, so wow. right there. You're, you're kind of like armchair psychiatry would say you're looking for another daddy. Of course. Yeah. I did that over and over and over again. Ah. And you see what a 19 year old would see in a 32 year old because there's like money, independence, a sophistication, yeah. et cetera. But what does a 32 year old see in a teenager mm. there's only one thing they see and it's gross <laughs> <laughs> i always feel that way when people aren't at their equal level not necessarily as older people but i mean like yeah. under the age of 30 you know no, what I mean? under the age of you 25 gotta, their brain isn't even formed yeah you gotta stick to somebody at your level in my opinion yeah your age yeah so i want to before we move on from because i i know that we've received a lot of questions from uh trauma survivors and people who who have been raped who uh yeah we haven't really talked about it enough on this show i think yeah so for those for people who maybe might be even still in the process of of going through the repercussions and like the fallout do you have anything that it doesn't end like you'll always think about it. it sucks yeah. It sucks because it's like your power, you know, you had your power taken away. You'll never forget about it. You'll never stop thinking about it. So you got to settle in to being uncomfortable. Would, well, wouldn't you recommend telling somebody? Well, yeah. I mean, you got to yeah. you got to talk about it at some point. But I mean, it's so personal. I could never tell somebody what they should do. I mean, it's so personal. Well, especially when you didn't get any kind of sex ed from your mom or dad or anybody, right. no, or even your siblings. Right. Or, no, or, I didn't or know your anything. friends. My, my one sister told me that a hot dog goes in your buns or something. Oh, my like, God. Like, I didn't know anything. You're like looking for a hot dog. Any street <laughs> vendor is like, <laughs> I might get pregnant. It's so yeah, sad. Sex ed when we were growing up was pretty abysmal. It, it was, was abysmal. Just, it, was it was like one book. I remember thinking like when you get your period, you have to wear these special underwear for the rest of your life. These yeah. big granny underpants for the rest <laughs> yeah. of your life with pads in it just in case you get your period. And I'm thinking that sucks to wear that all the time. I remember thinking that boys uh, defecate through their penis. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Like I didn't even know they had no way. a butthole. No, I didn't know that. And they don't? <laughs> Cam, do you defecate? So I don't know. If anybody, you know, obviously defecate. anybody's listening out there who's been raped or any, you know, even, as, you know, obviously you don't have to go as far as rape. I mean, just somebody's gone too far and you didn't want them to, you know, I mean, it's all an invasion of your space and your body. So you I, have the power to get up and run. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, yeah. or oh, scream. If, you, if you're in the something. moment, get the fuck out. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Don't feel bad. Don't think you're going to be upsetting anybody, waking anybody up. You're going to get in trouble. I mean, scream bloody murder. I think now had I told anybody that would have been like, all over the school and they might not have even believed me i mean it really would have been a huge deal yeah that's why i didn't tell anybody you know because it would have been massive in my small town that would have been a big deal me accusing somebody the girl herself having that party that of course she wasn't supposed to be having a party the fact that there was alcohol were you drinking at that time i wasn't i wasn't drinking but the fact that any of it was taking place you know what i mean so it wouldn't have been just me it would have been there's 30 kids at the party everybody's in trouble the cops are here and why is that? Because Christine Blackburn went upstairs You're with right. this guy, and she and that's a done big that. reason not to tell anybody. For, for right. when we were so, growing I up, mean, especially, it was not as as pro pro the victim as it was as it is now. I think. Well, we're just getting more empowered. I guess I'm just saying it depends on who's listening and what their situation is. It's all very personal. It's all very personal. But you know, obviously, preventing being alone with somebody to begin with is a start and you can still stop. I mean, I remember times even, you know, in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years when I, before my boyfriend where I'd be with a guy and I didn't really feel like having sex, but we we're almost there. And I'm like, okay, why not? So just, yeah. Just, just get it over just with. Just do it at any time. And you can you say, you know what? To. I'm not into this anymore. Right. And just jump up. And what's the worst thing they're going to say? If they say anything that isn't okay, no worries. If they say anything besides that, 
then get them the fuck out of your sight. I mean, I don't re- see them I anymore. I remember a guy when I was still a virgin. I was messing around with him in his fraternity house, and this guy Bob. This is he, he. I just went. I went all the way, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna. We we can't have sex. And he was getting so angry. I'm like, listen, I'm a virgin. And he said to me, you know what? It's a good thing you told me that. Otherwise, I probably would have like raped Jeez. you. He said oh that to me. Oh my god! Wow. Uh, what he would have raped fuck? me if I hadn't told him I was a virgin. Wow. What a nut. Well, he's a nut. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask. So you said something about how after the after going through both of that one two punch, yeah, you start filling the void by dating all these other men. Yeah, sure. How how it, did you break that habit? In- well, um, it's so funny because then I got you know I married my first husband, but we moved in together when I was like twenty one, and we were together until I was twenty six. So it was like a five year deal. And while I was married, I was quite happy. And, you know, I loved being, like, married, a but partner. But he was so much older? I know. It was gross. How, so, but... Just 12 years older. Where did but you meet him? Lot. It went that he age was a musician. Ah, right, right, right. Right, okay. there you go. A musician at the at the college I went to. Stupid. So stupid. No, no, no. That's really hot, usually. Ay, ay, ay. It anyway. is. I mean, like, band... Yeah. I, if you want to get women, just join a band. Yeah. Learn to play guitar. Yeah. It always helps. Yeah. Not just women and getting a, the other opposite sex, but really, if you want friends in general, if you, oh, yeah. whoever's playing the guitar has the most friends, or at least there's people around. You know what I'm I mean? The lead singer too. Yeah, yeah, that helps. Roger Daltrey. Um, but 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 anyway, so I was with him for like five years total, and then when we split, I started the pattern all over again, and I dated a lot more guys. So did, you know, did it ever end? It ended because I went to the Peace Corps because I got I was dating a lot of different people, and I was just like. I was a flight attendant at the time, so I'm flying all over the country, all over the world, and I'm dating, and I've got like three boyfriends in different states, oh and I'm like, and it's all fun, don't get me wrong, a lot of vacations, a lot of everything, but I was just like, this world is getting crazy. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was too much, and I and I quit everything and went to the Peace Corps, and uh, that- That's a huge switch. Huge switch, yeah, and then um, I stopped that rampant dating, because I wasn't in the States anymore. <laughs> But okay, the way you told the story was so vivid in my mind. Uh, the, the, even the comfort food. I'm thinking to myself, do you still feel like uh, grilled cheese and tomatoes and soup is comforting? Yeah, don't you? But after that was when you. Well, yeah, but that was just one moment in time. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not. I'm not going mean, to hold my dad you, leaving against grilled cheese or something. Campbell's tomato soup. And <laughs> I was thinking, how you could never eat that stuff again? No, but I don't th- think but that's true. Tell us a little bit about the art of storytelling, because I think like it is. It's so interesting the way you described. It. I could actually yeah. picture myself there. Yeah, you. Do, there's a. It takes a lot of time to craft a really good story. But the exciting thing is, anybody can do it, and everybody has a story, whether you think you do or not. And I always tell people when I when I talk about storytelling is um, the first thing you do when you tell a story is uh, talk to somebody you know very well. So your sibling, your mom, somebody you know very well or a very good friend. And, you know, when you're if you're really serious about this and you're going to actually, you know, say, OK, I would like to craft a story. Well, then right off the bat, you have to you have to tape every single time you tell it, mm. which is a pain in the ass. You know, I mean, just a voice member memo on your phone. It's not hard to tape. I don't mean that. But afterward you're going to need to go through that and that's the hard part but let's just say uh, you sit down and and just in your regular voice you know so no big motion no big emotions no big characters you're not running around telling the story you're just talking across the table from somebody and so you hit the voice memo on and then you start telling your friend or your somebody the story and when the light in their eyes change mm. That's where you start the story. Whoa. So the whole, all that ramp up that you did, you know, fuck it all, man. You don't need, you need very little ramp up to get to the point because mm. people aren't going to be on the page with you. Like I, I actually saw that in your eyes when I, when I know exactly what you're talking about. All of a sudden yeah. I'm like, oh, she's actually tuned yeah. in now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you well, but, but, but when you're telling, that. <laughs> but when you're telling somebody, I'm telling you, when you're talking about a story, it's okay. It's like if you read a book and then, and you say, how was the book? And you say, oh, it was, it was pretty good. The first 40 pages were slow, but then it picks up. Yeah. You know when they should, when they should have started that book? <laughs> they should have started that book at page 40. Yeah. So first, right off the bat, you know, so you start telling your story to somebody and and you're taping it and listen back and you'll find yourself it'll be 
way too long for sure. It'll be way too long. And try to remember when the person across from you kind of zones out and when they mm-hmm. tune in and when they zone out and when they tune in. And what do you do? Do you take notes? Oh, well, you write it all out. So now now you've got your tape in your hand and you write out the story word for word. And you're going to hate everything. You're going to hate every single thing about it. That's so you just do the word for word. You don't do bullet points. No, you write the whole story out. What you just told your your loved one that you're sitting with. Mm-hmm. You write that out now. So we've had it on video. We have it on a voice memo. Now we have it on the page. Mm-hmm. Then you on your own, on your own, go back through that story and just start taking out. And you'll be able to take out a lot right off the bat because there'll be redundancies and mm-hmm. there'll be uh, stutter steps and stuff like that. So now your story has already gotten to tighten. It's already tightening. Mm. And then tell that story again to somebody else that hasn't heard it before. So it's very repetitive telling the same story to different people in your circle. So that's the first thing I tell people to do. You know, when you're telling a story to somebody, you have to remember who your audience is. So the way you tell it to your mom or to your best friend or your, your spouse may not be the way you would tell it in front of a group at the improv. Hmm. No, especially if there's sex involved. And you're yeah, I mean, who, who, are, who are you talking about? And you just have to remember that like, when, when somebody is listening to your story, they're actually giving you their time. Hmm. And you don't want to waste anybody's time. Hmm. So you can cut away a lot. Um, you want to keep it as tight as you possibly can. When you relate your own experience to somebody, it'll trigger a reaction in them, like I was saying. And so then all of a sudden they're with you and now they're going to give you some of their empathy. And that's a key factor in figuring out what stories to tell. You want it to be important. It has to be personal to you. There has to be like a change, a change in you. So from the beginning of the story, you know, I was telling you a story about being raped. I was a 15 year old girl. I knew nothing. I knew nothing. And then I go through this and at the end of the story, I punch him in the face. Mm. So there was a beginning. Love that story. And then there's an ending. I love the ending. Well, it doesn't have to be that. Yeah, I was going to say, what if there was no ending? Well, there is an ending that I might be still struggling with it, you know, uh, getting through it or I'm still cycling, like going through relationships in my life that amplify being abandoned over and over and over again. Um, You also, there's a lot of... um, a lot of little notes, you know, when you're telling a story, you might want to give somebody a voice and I don't mean like a wacky, crazy voice, but you might want to say, then he said, do you want to come upstairs? Mm. Do you want to come and talk? Do you want to come upstairs and talk? Like I said, you know, so you try to remember the, or you try to, Oh, you just want to use, you know, you just want to say, and then he says to me, do you want to go upstairs and talk? Right. As opposed to saying, and then we went upstairs. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. So you want to be more in the moment, not, you know, you want to, um, not be so much in the past, yeah. but keep it in the present tense. And then right after the climax of the story, when the really the crux of what you're telling, whatever that moment is, right after that climax, you need to wrap it up in about a minute. Really? Yeah. You want to climax the story and then we're done. It's very much like Like an orgasm. It just reminds me of an orgasm. There's a lot of build up. A lot of build up. Climax, we're done. Boom. And get out. Well, so what would be, the, I guess, the climax of, of this story is you went back and you punched him in the face. Yeah. Totally. I mean, well, I think the climax was the fact that I got raped at all. I mean, I think. You had a double climax. As it you were. You had multi-orgasmic. <laughs> As it were. <laughs> multi-orgasmic. And so you just really have to repeat the steps again and again. You tell the story. You write it out. You edit the story. You tell the story always taping it, writing it back out. And now you're hating yourself because you don't want to keep writing it out, but you have to, or go back. Like I use Google Docs and I just write, it's a, whatever the name of the story is, right? So if it's the rape, One, then it would two. be, uh, I'd write it out and then I would put draft, you know, whatever the date is. So there's always new drafts coming because all stories are works of art and they change and, and things move around. You have to find your voice, um, and then in terms of like, again, if you're actually like performing a story, that's different too. You know, sure. to who, how many people are in the audience? You have to take a minute before you start speaking. You get on stage, they're not even listening for 30 seconds because they're looking at you. <laughs> you have to drink a lot of water on stage. Do you want to drink water? No, but do it anyway. For because pause. the audience, no, they just need a break. The mm. audience just needs a second to settle in. It's like stand-up comedy. I'm not, I'm not a great stand-up comedian, but in, what I've learned is it's like a boxing match, right? So you punch him, you back off. Oh. You punch him, you back off. And it's always, you know, the, the comedian or the storyteller is the one releasing that tension. Mm. And you got to let it calm back down. So they need to absorb back. it. Vroom, vroom. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and of course, you know, you can, use notes. you can use notes in a story, but you don't want to 
You don't want to rely on notes because if you rely on your notes, then are you with me telling the story or are you reading a story from your book? Well, both can be good. Both can be good, exactly. but it's a different genre. Well, when it's I really asked different. you uh, before I went on your show, I had listened to a number of different storytellers and some of them, you could actually hear them reading it off a paper. Yeah, you and don't I, want to sound like you're reading. Yeah, and I wanted to know which one do you prefer and you're like, whatever you want, kid. Yeah, yeah. And if you, you know, you get messed up, you get frozen, you don't know what to say next, you get lost. Just take a breath, take that drink of water. So really, already at this point, nobody, you have not missed a beat. Nobody's wondering like, oh, she froze. Because you're just taking a second and having a drink of water. And then you come back from that second. And if you're still messed up, you look at the audience. You be in the moment and you say, okay, wait a minute. What did I miss? Okay, I just told you this and that. Okay, here I am. Or someone will shout out. And nobody in the world is going to be like, you motherfucker, you messed up. You know what I mean? Like nobody cares. I do. They want to stay. They want to stay in the moment with you. And then just a couple of pitfalls that people make often is um, they overshare. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Too much information. Yeah, we know that on this podcast. Too much information. (laughs) Or they start telling somebody else's story. So don't tell me about your sister's abortion. It's not your story. Mm. It's her story. Yeah. Don't tell me about whatever. Tell me what you, what you, what changes your life. Um, And then, of course, you know, be passionate. Be passionate. Don't tell a story that doesn't matter. It has to mean something. Mm. Or why are you telling me this? Yeah. You know what's a really boring story? When people tell you about how they were on drugs. I don't care. I wasn't there. I don't get it. And it wasn't funny to me. Do you know what I mean? Oh my God, we were so fucked up. We were doing this and then we took these mushrooms and then we did this. And I'm like, take notes, Cam. No, no drug stories. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't care. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless it's like a rehab story, you know, of something more personal. But if it's just like, we had so much fun, man. It was so much fun. Quit telling me and... Show me. So, Christine, we have to wrap it up, unfortunately. I know, it's sad. I'm I so know. Bomb. We didn't this even get to so half of what yeah, was on our agenda. Fun. Thank you, guys. So, you're doing good work here, both of thank you. Thank you. Really. We're trying. And you're doing good work. I appreciate you sharing all those tips with us. Yeah. Trying, well, the reason yeah. I wanted to know those tips is because people in everyday life are probably not going to get up and share stories on stage. But they do. Uh, there's always a first date that you want to tell a good story to get the person to understand who you are. Yeah. And I, would that apply there? Can you? Of course. What do you mean? The, as a topic? All of these tips. Can Definitely. You tips. Listen, everybody has a story. But I think people do, if they have reason to tell a story, like you gave good reasons for why you tell that story, Yeah. Well, they need to know how to do that. Because a lot of people, you assume they know how to speak, but they don't. Well, like what I said, you just go and um, you tell it on a very personal level to somebody mm-hmm. across the table. Write it down and start refining it. But it takes a long time. Well, I want, if people wanted to hear Storyworthy or your other podcasts... Yeah, you know, if you go to christineblackburn.com, then everything is kind of right there. I have a show called Screwed Up Stories with Westwood One, and that's a, a great podcast with comedian Rachel O'Brien, and then storyworthypodcast.com. So everything everything is at christineblackburn.com. I've listened. I could not endorse this more. Definitely Thanks. check it out. Oh, Thanks, yeah. man. And I'm still curious about... Um, you know, how the moment you came together with your father again, how you reestablished that relationship. Yeah. Are you willing to stick with us for a Patreon bonus oh, episode yeah, for sure. about 10 minutes? Really sure. Call. Okay. So listeners, if you want to hear more from Christine, check out patreon.com slash sex talk with my mom. That's a good call. And, and also just listen to story where they're in general. You'll hear my episode coming up soon. That's right. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.